I'm Bill. I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, films two, two Curious, where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. Except not this time, and not because it's a special feature. It's because it's a special Two Films, Three Curious, featuring long-term listener, co-tagonist, Chris. Say hello. hello to the people, Chris. Hello to the people, Chris. <laughs> See, he's so good at this already. So, uh, just to give us a little bit of your, your, your background, uh, uh, Uncle Chris, tell us maybe how you might have heard about the show or things uh, that you liked about it. I, I think uh, my nephew told me about the show, and oh. it sounded like a good show. Is it, is it Nick or Jack? Was it one of it, those It could nephews? have been. I, I don't want to, you know, play favorites. <laughs> but it wasn't Nick or Jack. Ah, oh, well, that makes sense, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, long time listener, first time alumner. Inner, yeah, <laughs> alumner. Which, uh, if if you had, could pick an episode that you have uh, liked the best, which one it would it be? Uh, I really liked the Master and Commander, and was that Pirates? Yes, yes. I really liked that one. I really like Master and Commander. Me too. I mean, I like both those movies a lot. Yeah, I guess I do too. I mean, I like all the Pirates movies, surprisingly, because I feel like not not as many people like them all. But I like them all. Anyways, we're not here to talk about those movies, even though I'm the one that got us talking about those movies. We are instead here to talk about Kumiko the Treasure Hunter and Treasure Planet. Uh, because... Uh, our guest today, Chris, is the one that suggested these movies. Now, obviously, we're going to do the whole thing that we do already, where we explain what happened in the movies, and Tyler gives us fun facts. But uh, I know that at least Kumiko the Treasure Hunter has been one that you've wanted us to get on the show a couple of times now. What yeah. is it about this movie that you uh, really liked or wanted to put on the show? Uh, I just think it's a beautiful movie. I think the cinematography is amazing. Uh, yep. The tone of it is hard to pin down. Yeah, um, it is. But it's it's not confusing. It's just what exactly... Um, it's not the usual experience. Uh, yeah. So I thought that that would be a good thing to talk about, uh, especially with something that is usually a more uh, familiar experience which I think was originally Goonies and uh, National Treasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that although one of the things that we found, I think, in doing this show is that there are so many times where we'll pick a movie and then after you watch them again so close to each other, you can find even more deep connections. But I think that it's interesting that the there are some differences between this and Treasure Planet that I'm glad that it's Treasure Planet that's paired with this and not National Treasure or Goonies, I think. Those would be good movies to watch together. Yes, National Treasure and... Yeah, I would agree. All right. Let me tell you about uh, Treasure Planet for those of you who haven't seen Treasure Planet. So, the plot of Treasure Planet is it's Treasure Island, but animated in an outer space. There we go. I I don't think I missed anything, right? (laughs) That's pretty much it, yeah. We'll go deeper. So <clears throat> it starts with a little boy, and he's reading a book about pirates, uh, except the book's a hologram book about pirates, and the pirates are in outer space. And that's how you find out that this whole thing is about outer space pirates. Anyways, is Jim Hawkins. Jim Hawkins is like, uh, he's, a, he's a little kid, and his mom's like, Treasure Planet is fake. It's a myth. And he's like, uh, it's not a myth. It's real life. They wouldn't put it in the book if it was a lie. And then he grows up, and he's a hooligan, and the police come, robot police are like, hey, your kid's doing it, and he needs to stop, or we're going to, you know. And she's like, okay, we'll get him to stop. And David Hyde Pierce is like, I'll help him out. And then uh, Billy Bones shows up, and he's about to die, and he's like, here's a map. Hide it, dude. And so he hides it, and then uh, they're fleeing from pirates that come in to try and steal the map, and then they go to town. Then they go and they're like, we need to find out what the map is to, and it's to Treasure Planet. And so they're like, oh, we got to go get the treasure. And so they hire a captain, 
and they find a crew and the cook on the crew is the cyborg oh billy bones is like beware the cyborg and they're like well that's weird how suspicious cyborg and then the cook long john silver makes a lot of fried shrimp and fish anyways he's like (laughs) uh there are a lot of cyborgs out there, guy. Don't be like, I'm the bad cyborg, all right? Turns out he is the bad cyborg. <laughs> More on that later. Anyways, Don't be cyberstitious. Right? But maybe a little, <laughs> a little cyberstitious. Anyways, with the, with the exception of the captain and the dearly departed Mr. Arrow, who gets thrown off the ship by a bad guy, uh, and uh, Jim Hawkins and... Uh, David Hyde Pierce. Everybody on the ship is bad guys. Anyways, they go to Treasure Planet. They finally find it. They're on their way there. There's mutiny. They throw uh, Mr. Arrow overboard. Long John Silver's like, all right, guys, yeah, we're going to take over the ship, but don't kill anyone. And they're like, well, we kind of have to. We're bad guys. And he was like, ah, I'm conflicted. Anyways, they get to the Treasure Planet, and some of them get away, and the captain gets shot, and they meet uh, Martin Short, the robot. And uh, he didn't say anything about cheese, even though he does in the book. And then uh, he helps them find Treasure Planet. And it's apparently the map is not only is it a map, but it's also like a warp field thing. And that's how they can get to the planet core where the treasure is inside. The Anyways, planet they get core. There, and, <laughs> and then <laughs> they go and it, it gets blown up and then they have to flee. And they, they don't get any of the treasure and they're going to take uh, Long John Silver to jail. And then he breaks out and he's like, come with me, Jim. And Jim's like, nah. I can't do that. I'm a good guy now. And then he goes to Admiral Academy, and uh, David Hyde Pierce marries his mom, and they rebuild their shop. Uh, even though they didn't get any treasure, he's it's the treasure that they had was the friends they met along the way. Ain't that just the way? There we go. That's that's the best treasure. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Also, money is a good treasure. I think. Yeah. Good, but not the best. Yeah. Did I miss anything important from Treasure Planet? Mm. That's the broad strokes, I think. Yeah, I think you yeah. got it. All right, tell us a little bit about Kamiko the Treasure Hunter. Uncle so, Kamiko the Treasure Hunter starts with uh, an empty beach, and someone's walking on the beach with a treasure map, and the map leads them to the sea cave where they pick up a rock, and hiding under the rock is a videotape. And so they go back home, and it turns out it's Kamiko, and she puts the tape in, and it's all wet and not really playing well. So she starts to dry it out, and then it's time for work. And so work is where we first realize that, you know, her life sucks. Uh, Her boss is a jerk. All of her coworkers are jerks. She has a friend who's a jerk. Pretty much the only person in her life who is not a jerk is her pet rabbit, Bunzo, um, so. But pretty much everyone else is a jerk. Her job is she's uh, what's called an office lady um, who's responsible for getting tea and running errands like dry cleaning for her boss. Um, in interns. To... Yeah. Like a, like pretty a fancy much, yeah. <laughs> But you gotta wear, you know, a stupid costume. Yeah. She wants to spit in her boss's coffee, but at she first she do doesn't, it. but then later she does because he's a, a big jerk. Yeah. Um, Surprisingly, though, not the biggest jerk because I feel like the biggest jerk is her mom. Her mom is, they do not have the best relationship. Certainly um, do not. Wants Kamiko to move back home, have a boyfriend, um, really not buying into the whole path that Kamiko wants to be on. Which is Treasure Hunter. Yes. Um, so she eventually gets the tape dried out and she puts it in and it's Fargo. She has this grail diary that she consults, a journal. And so she fast forwards to a part where Steve Buscemi is burying in the snow a briefcase full of money. Um, which seems to be the treasure that she's after. But when she rewinds it to watch again, the tape gets eaten up by the machine so she goes and buys a dvd player and a dvd and fast forwards to that scene and pauses it and like it's tracing paper and traces out the fence line puts an x where uh, the red um ice scraper is 
it's left to mark the spot, uh, does all kinds of equations and things to make it, you know, official. And then she traces onto some fabric and embroiders her treasure map, which is pretty cool. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she goes about preparing to, to go, pretty much says goodbye to her job when her boss introduces her to a much younger office lady um, that she's supposed to train. And then the boss says, hey, also go buy my wife a gift and gives her a corporate credit card. Uh, so she goes and like she picks up his dry cleaning and throws it in the trash. Um, she's not going back. Uh, she does have to find something to do with Bunzo, so she takes him to the park and says, "Go run and play." And Bunzo really doesn't hop very far away, so then she puts him on the subway, and you know. Subway door closes, and Bunzo's on the subway, and she's not, and so That's off so Bunzo goes, and she's very sad, and yeah. we're sad too. We are. But then we, uh, you know, hop over to America, <laughs> where she meets, you know, some, some I think well-meaning people uh, who aren't all that well equipped to deal with someone who really only speaks uh, Japanese and some broken English. She does make it clear that she wants to go to Fargo. Um, <laughs> she gets on a bus. Some people at the airport kind of help her plan a route. She gets on a bus. The bus breaks down. She starts walking by the side of the road, not equipped for winter in Minnesota. It's a it's a tough place there. Yeah. Uh, very different from where she was in Japan. Uh, a woman in a truck stops, picks her up. Um, gives her a place to stay and a copy of uh, Shogun, the James Clavell novel, because uh, it's Japan. Um, <laughs> so she sneaks out, uh, winds up checking into a hotel, getting some snacks. She goes to pay for the hotel the next morning, and it turns out that the card that she's been using was that corporate credit card. So I hope the wife boss's wife enjoyed you know a trip to america and a bus ride <laughs> and some snacks because that's what she got um but the credit card gets declined and so kamiko goes back to her to- hotel room and chain tra- uh tears a hole in the middle of the bedspread and makes herself a poncho and she's off hiking again and she gets picked up by a cop who is uh Responding to some reports of, you know, a woman just walking on the side of the road in weather where no one should be walking on the side of the road. Um, he looks like the love child of Dabney Coleman and Gerald McCraney, both decent guys, <laughs> uh, but not known for their ability to um, communicate with someone who speaks Japanese and not known for the ability to capture her vision of the treasure hunt. She shows the cop, you know, Fargo, this is where she wants to go, this is where the treasure is hidden, and he tries to explain that, no, it's made up, it's just a movie, uh, but she won't have any of it. Yeah. He takes her to a Chinese restaurant, thinking that someone there could help explain, but the Chinese woman at the Chinese restaurant only speaks Mandarin and English, and no Japanese. Uh, They wind up at a uh, thrift store. Where the cop, you know, outfits her with a nice heavy jacket and some heavy boots, um, but still isn't going to buy into her uh, treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. So she runs away and gets in the cab, and then you know, ditches the cab with like a hundred plus dollars on the meter. She's walking through the woods, and it's not cool that she. Uh, ditched the cab so then a dog jumps out and starts pulling on her blanket and winds up uh, she drops the DVD and the dog runs away with it so she's walking across you know fields of snow and frozen lakes she gets across one big lake and looks uh, under the ice and there's the briefcase and so she gets a rock and a big stick and she's breaking through the ice and pulling the ice with her hands they get all bloody and when she pulls out the briefcase, it turns out just to be a big log. 
Uh, so she keeps walking, looking for the fence, uh, and then it's night, and then it's dark. And the next morning, we get some really nice scenery, and the camera zooms in on a snowbank by a river, and the snowbank starts to shift, and there's Kamiko. She was covered with snow. But she's ready for another day of treasure hunting, so she gets up and she's hiking, and there's a, a ski lift that she rides, and she's walking, and she's walking, and then she takes out her treasure map, and we see that she's at the fence. And she digs up the treasure, and it's the treasure. It's a big briefcase full of money. And I think for the first time in the whole movie, she smiles. Mm-hmm. And then she looks over, and there's Bunzo. And so she uh, picks up Bunzo, and they walk off towards the horizon on a new adventure. And that's Kamiko the Treasure Hunter. There it is. So... I gotta say that as I was watching Kamiko the Treasure Hunter, I think my two biggest takeaways were that at the end of it, uh, at first I was really excited and I'm like, wait a second, how does the how is the money there? And then Bunzo shows up and I thought, oh no, uh... is she dead? And uh, so I think I it was like I don't know, it, it seemed like a happier version, moderately of like the end of Brazil or something like that. But I was still like, oh no. Uh, but also, um, I think that if somebody is, like, if I have my phone in my hand and somebody is not listening to me, I am going to, like Kamiko's friend, pretend to stab them with my phone repeatedly until they pay attention to me, just like she does in the movie. Because <laughs> that part that's was hilarious. not annoying at all. No, it's super not. And it was so hilarious, I had to rewind it and uh, record it twice because the first time I did it wrong so that I could send it to Tyler to be like, this is my favorite part so far in this movie. Uh, and the whole heist of getting the the map out of the secure library. Oh, yeah. That was that was amazing. I like that. <laughs> well, as we will learn in these fun facts, Kumiko's story is actually a lot better than the real life story it was based on. Oh no. It is not a happy life for this person named Takako Konishi. But we'll learn that some of these things did happen in real life that were in the movie. <clears throat> so, first off, I'll say on IMDb, which is where T-Dog sources all of his fun facts, there are, in fact, eight total fun facts for Kumiko Treasure Hunter. <laughs> so, after I tell you five, you'll almost know all of them. You'll know the majority of them. Yeah, more than half. <laughs> uh, the first is that, obviously, as protagonist Chris pointed out and when he was summarizing the movie she is assisted by a well-meaning state trooper who brings her to a Chinese restaurant hoping that they could translate in real life Takako Konishi was helped by a state trooper who really did contact Chinese restaurants in a vain attempt to help <laughs> so uh, this one I, I will say I absolutely did not pick up on this in the Q&A in a Q&A at the London Sundance Film, Film Festival in 2014 the director and his brother claimed that the ambiguous introduction was heavily influenced by the beginnings of James Bond films that they loved as children. Oh, interesting. I yeah, certainly I didn't get that either. I didn't oh. get a James Bond feel. Thinking back, I get it, though. Um, in real life, she committed suicide via vodka and sedatives. This is decidedly the least fun of the five fun facts. Yes, not as, not as much fun. Uh, certainly a fact. Yes. But maybe not fun. Uh, they're just all, these <laughs> fun facts are all very sad. Uh, they both stayed in a sleazy motel shortly before their deaths, although the one in the film is, quote, far less decrepit than the one that Takako stayed in. Huh. And then this is the only fact that I think is actually fun. Although the film features footage from the movie Fargo, there is no acknowledgement in the credits that the clips were licensed from MGM, its current owner, or anyone else. <laughs> so they kind of really just used it. <laughs> yeah. That's super interesting. These fun I... facts... Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was, I, I was going to say something, and I forgot what it is now. Oh, oh well. It may not be important. Well, oh, well. The fun facts for Treasure Planet are much more fun and exciting in a deleted scene we learn that Jim Hawkins is 15 years old I would think he was a little bit older than that yeah he seems older than that 
I was thinking of him as a young man more than a 15-year-old. Yeah. Uh, his full names is full name is James Pilides Hawkins, which is a star cluster in the constellation Tartarus, or Taurus. I said Tartarus because I've been playing a video game that has Greek mythology in it. Um, <clears throat> well, there you go. In the contest between Jim and Silver, where they're each trying to coax Morph to come to them so they could get the map, was all ad libbed, which I think is a fun. Oh, that's neat. And then, obviously, as you talked about with Treasure Island, the name of the ship, the RLS Legacy, is a reference to the book's author, Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh, neat. I saw that on there because I'm always interested into why that, like, what the abbreviation stands for in a sci-fi thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And then I didn't look it up because I just continued watching the movie. Well, that's what it is. This last one, it always seems like my favorite and simultaneously least favorite fun facts are about, like, look what could have been. Because then I'm like, that sounds awesome, but then it never happened. A sequel was planned with Willem Dafoe set to voice the villainous Ironbeard. Yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. After the box office failure that was Treasure Planet. And I love Willem Dafoe, so I would have loved that. Yeah, I'll watch him in anything. Those are fun fires. than Kamiko. (laughs) Yeah, a, a little bit. A little bit more fun. So... Those are our fun Thank facts. You. Before we go into questions and, uh, I mean, not questions. Uh, Similarities and thing? differences. Similarities and differences. How do we do this podcast? How does it work? <laughs> uh, I realize we should probably also thank our sponsors. Uh, of course, Cotagonist Nick, who's been our cotagonist for quite some time. Two Films, Three Curious alum Chris, who's been our cotagonist, or yeah, our, our sponsor for a good long while too. And of course, mm-hmm. Two Films, Three Curious alum Brenda, the sponsor of What Do You Do, MCU, which... Um, we did miss this month. Uh, I realized that uh, we totally forgot to do Spider-Man this month. Uh, but you're going to get Spider-Man eventually, probably next month. Spider-Man in October sounds right. Ooh, yeah, spider scary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. There you go. That's, well, on behalf that's why of I did Nick it. Nick and Brenda, you are welcome. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's talk about some similarities and differences. I think that uh, an interesting similarity is that uh, they're both looking for treasure. But they at the end, they don't get it. Yeah. At least not in the way that they were hoping to get it. Right. Yeah. In Treasure but, Planet, uh, the treasure is maturity and growth. And in Kumiko, it's the sweet release of death. <laughs> She's free from all of those painful relationships, except for Bunzo. Who is yep. the best? Freed from... Moral shackle. <laughs> there we go. Speaking of Bunzo, we have a kind of friendly animal type companion because we have Morph too in mm-hmm. Treasure Planet. I. This may be controversial. I think Morph might be my least favorite of the friendly animal companion things in a movie. Huh. Do not. Do not. Uh, I feel no emotion towards Morph. Why don't you Morph like him? Morph not entirely friendly. I don't, yeah. True. I don't Morph know. caused as many problems as he helped solve. <laughs> he really did. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. I found this recently that uh, although I love almost every movie I've ever seen, there are instances where maybe I just don't connect, and that's okay. I did not connect with Morph. I don't know. Makes sense. He's not very human. No. I don't know. But I mean, I connect with the car and cars. But I don't know. There's something about Morph. I just didn't... I don't know. I feel nothing towards Morph. Bunzo, on the other hand. Big fan. Bunzo's the best. Yes. All the neighborhood rabbits are Bunzos. (laughs) I could see that. uh, Both movies have protagonists who want more than what their local area can give them that's true and they both take it upon themselves to just grab it they're there they realize that nobody's going to give it to them so they may as well do it themselves yeah it's less the like hero's journey call to action and more the their kind of own decision to yeah like even by the time they escape they're 
you know, locales they've been wanting to for some time. Right. They just were presented finally with an opportunity mm-hmm. to to do that. Right. It's less about being told to go and more about now realizing that you can kind of a thing. Exactly. I think in differences, the mothers are very different yes. in each Yes. <laughs> there, there are no fathers, but the, the mothers are very different moms. Yes. The mom in Treasure Planet seems to be uh, at uh, at least a little bit nicer, what with the fact that she's at, uh, actively looking out for her son's best interest and mm-hmm. not what her interpretation of that interest is. Of course, Jim also lives at home, so maybe she would be different if he had his own <laughs> apartment in the exactly. city. True. <laughs> was working, if, if Jim was working as an office lady for a sleazy boss, she'd yeah, be like, Jim, she come home. You're 15 years old. That's too old to be an office lady. <laughs> Big difference and relevant to our, our theme for this year is that Treasure Planet is animated and Kamiko the Treasure Hunter is not. Indeed. I think that it, at least in the era that it was made, Treasure Planet would have not been as good live action with the special effects we had at that time to do it, I think. You don't want to see a morph that's like a uh, reptile from Mortal Kombat? You know, maybe that would make me like it more. <laughs> but I think uh, that Kamiko could be uh, animated in the you know, Princess Mononoke style. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be really cool. It would help to accentuate the... You're right that the... the cinematography and the beauty of the movie is very evident and the anim that i think that making it animated would not hinder that right um and i think it's in a way that treasure planet with all the outer spaciness could have been um you know with nebulas and galaxies and comets and such but it wasn't yeah i think we also have in the movies there is a team of treasure hunters in Treasure Planet and Kamiko's on her own uh, and then also Treasure Planet there are other people searching for the treasure and no one else is looking for Steve Buscemi's money <laughs> True, really nobody which is surprising because it does say at the beginning of the movie this is a true story you would think at least Steve Buscemi would go back right. and get that money <laughs> yeah I mean he's not dead wait is he dead I don't think I don't, so I don't think so I mean he go back and just dig up the prop and sell it Right? Have you seen this? Is you could sell it to Kumiko. <laughs> not, not anymore. You couldn't. Not with her credit card canceled. <laughs> Have you seen this? Is uh, this is only tangentially related? But there's an episode of Community where um, one of the characters who just loves movies they're doing uh, like a movie birthday for him, and they're all dressed up as Quentin Tarantino characters. And his birthday present is. Uh, an auctioned off prop from Pulp Fiction that it's the briefcase from Pulp Fiction and every time they open up, open it up it glows like out at them <laughs> like it does in Pulp Fiction and it's because the prop was built so that when you open it there's a light bulb inside and that's how they got the glowing in the movie and so they're like they open it up and <laughs> the only thing that's inside is a signature saying it's an authentic prop from the movie um, but like it's it's just playing off of the fact that you never know what it is in Pulp Fiction. I just well, imagine that you open up the briefcase and there's not money in there. It's just a signature it's saying, so "Here you go, Kamiko. <laughs> this is an You'd authentic prop it. from the movie." <laughs> that would be a sad ending. It, it, I don't. I mean, dare I say sadder? <laughs> I think you might be right. Actually, I guess I guess you're right that it would be sadder if she got there and the briefcase was empty than the fact that she's in what seems to be a much more agreeable heaven now. Yeah, then she has to go back to shitty life. Exactly. I think the uh, Treasure Planet is an adaptation of another work, uh, whereas Kamiko is just inspired by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Stevenson hadn't written Treasure Island... Um, Jim Henson had never made Muppet Treasure Island. Exactly. Then there, you know, you could make a planet call or a movie called Treasure Planet, but it wouldn't be anything like this. 
if right. Fargo hadn't been made, you know, ninety percent of the movie would be the same if she gets like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. uh, and the Search for the Holy Grail. She just winds up going to Alexandretta uh, instead of Fargo, and you know, there's a sandstorm instead of a snowstorm. Yep. She dies but in the opposite way. Else is you know <laughs> pretty much the same, or could be the same. Yeah. Isn't that the Robert Louis Stevenson poem? No, who wrote that poem? Robert Frost, the other Robert, about if the world would end in fire and then it'll end in fire ice. and ice. Yeah. Yes, that's what we should do. We should watch a Robert Louis Stevenson movie and then fire and ice. And the oh, connection yeah. is that it's one is has nothing to Roberts. do with the Robert Frost poem, and the other one also has nothing to do with the Robert Frost poem. Then we can watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, Song of Fire and Ice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just coming up with so many ideas. We've got so many good ideas this week. How often do we do this show? Yeah, listen. Listen to this one. Edible trash. You eat it, where's it go? You don't have to throw it away. Night Shift will probably not be on only because I feel like there's a lot more movies I'd rather watch first. Anyways. uh, Do you have any other similarities and differences, either of you? I have one more similarity, but it's a, a callback similarity. I love a callback. Uh, for Treasure Planet and Princess Mononoke. Ooh. In the fun facts on uh, IMDb for Princess Mononoke, there's one that Japanese mythology says that dogs and wolves are male-voiced and cats are female-voiced. Huh. Uh, and the dog alien <sighs> character is uh, voiced by Niles Crane in Treasure Planet. And the female cat character is voiced by Nanny McPhee, so they're keeping Ooh. up with that Japanese mythology. Yeah. Bunzo doesn't talk, um, and I don't know what the mythology of a bunny voice is. Maybe it's bunnies have no voice. That's it. I mean, what sound does a bunny make? Chomp, chomp, chomp. There you go. <laughs> nose wiggle sound. <laughs> well, Tyler, do you have any other similarities or differences? I think we, we, we kind of covered the ones that I had, too. Same. Before we go on to our regular questions, I have a question that is kind of a... It's just about Treasure Planet. And my question was this. I was thinking about this sitting in a Kroger parking lot. Uh, about how... Actually, no. I was thinking about it when I, when I realized that he doesn't say that thing about the cheese in Treasure mm-hmm. Planet. Because robots don't eat cheese. Uh, and then I was thinking about how in a Christmas story, when you do an adaptation of a Christmas story, there are things that you add and things that you don't add depending on what you're doing. Like Muppet Christmas Carol does not have uh, the Ghost of Christmas Presents kids' uh, ignorance and want because that just would not be tonally correct for that movie. Uh, are there things – well, first of all, I guess, which other adapt- – has any? how many other adaptations of Treasure Island have you all seen? I have not seen any. I have not even seen the Muppet Treasure Island. Really? Really? Neither have I. I knew you've not seen Muppet Treasure Island, Tyler, because there's a there's some controversy amongst this uh, podcast as to your view on the Muppets. <laughs> uh, well, really, I... my lack of a view on the Muppets, really. <laughs> <laughs> you have as similar an opinion on the Muppets as I do of Morph. But That's ultimately... Fair. I think that there are things in Treasure there are things in the Treasure Island story that you can have and don't have to have. Like theoretically Blind Pew doesn't show up in Treasure Planet. We had some technical issues. I'm starting it this way because I can't remember what happened before the technical issues, but we're going to jump back into uh I I realize now a almost futile question. <laughs> seeing as I'm the only other person that's seen other adaptations well, of Treasure Island. In, but what is in Treasure other Treasure Islands that was not in this? Besides and would it have cheese. made it better or worse? That's in your see, opinion. So I feel like in other Treasures Island there's I don't know, there's well there's singing in the Muppets one, and I think that there should be singing in all of them. There's characters that hand off the black spot in the 
1950s Disney one and in Treasure or Muppet Treasure Island that's not in this. Right? Nobody gives him the black spot. He just shows up already dying. Billy Bones does, and then the pirates show up. Right? There's not a, a person that comes in and says, "Hey, Billy Bones, pirates are going to come here." It's just sort of he dies on their front porch, and then the pirates show up. Right? Yeah, in the movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole other interlude with the other ones. And I don't think that it's necessary, but it is neat to help like set it up, except for in Treasure Planet, you're not setting up the story of pirates. You're setting up the story of we can do boats in space. So they did that really well with the other thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have to do that in Muppet Treasure Island or in the other one. Uh, oh, there's a lot more getting the crew together stuff in the other ones than there is in this one. And this one is just sort of like, we got the boat, we got the crew, let's go. I think that Treasure Planet did a good job cutting what they didn't need to make sure that the focus was on a planet full of treasure and less on a direct one-to-one adaptation of Treasure Island. Yeah. I don't remember reading the book. I know I read it in school, and I was uh, nonplussed. The American nonplussed, not pleased, not the British nonplussed, yeah. very pleased. That uh, doesn't make no any plussing. sense. There was no plussing <laughs> at all. It really doesn't make sense. Does it? That's the worst. Anyways. Well, uh, I know where your missing lines about cheese are, because remember, they put him in Blade Runner 2049. Right. That's a robot that wants to know if he's got a bit of cheese on him. But no, this robot doesn't care. Well, we don't know if Harrison Ford's a robot or not. It could have been on that chip that was lost. True. Mm-hmm. Could have been. I think, uh, you know, not to go back to similarities and differences, but also to go back to similarities and differences. <laughs> We're very free form here. I think the, the Martin Short robot is that same, wants to be helpful, but can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, missing the means of communicating what needs to be communicated. Yeah. Now, if we could just get microchips for all of the people in Minnesota and North Dakota, they'd, be able, they'd all be able to speak Japanese. If they get vaccinated, they'll have that. See? <laughs> we here at Two Films Too Curious, pro-vaccination, you'll learn how to speak Japanese. I, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Same. Or at least, you know, I know the line Konnichiwa. The just like that. Boom. He's saying... It's already happening. Sushi. <laughs> do you guys have any questions <laughs> I, I um, just have one go ahead so in the same way that Lausi Kumiko is obsessed with the treasure of Fargo and trying to find it mm-hmm. when you were a kid and I say that because I don't think any of us have some kind of unhealthy obsession with a treasure that we saw in a movie if you do, let me know. Except for like lightsabers, maybe. Oh well, yeah, fair. Who um, doesn't? But Same. was there a movie you saw, maybe as a kid, maybe as a young adult, that you just kind of had that same wish that it was real? Something treasure based. Like for me, it's Goonies. Yeah. Because I just remember watching the movie and being like, I wish that I could find a treasure map in my attic and then find a pirate ship and booby traps and stuff. You know, the same way that, like, every kid prepares for quicksand, even though we'll never run into it in yeah. real life. Like, I would thought about, what if, how would I solve these booby traps? Do you have a movie like that? Or a, not even, it doesn't even have to be a movie, I guess, a book? Hmm. I don't know. I always thought about, uh, like, in Animorphs, what, what animals I'd want to morph into if I got the little morphing thing. Uh, and I felt like like it'd be cool to. I, I think that in the Mummy and Indiana Jones, those are the ones that I connected with in a hunt these things down kind mm-hmm. of a way more so than Goonies. But I think it's also it has to do with the fact that I don't really remember seeing Goonies as a kid. I mean, I guess I did, but I feel like I saw it a little bit older than at least Indiana Jones, which I think I saw clandestinely younger, peeking around corners and such. I can't think of, you know, movies that were that way as a kid. I do remember uh, reading The Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny, Zelazny, 
uh, you know, thinking that what if I was, uh, you know, not an actual person from here, but you know, a person from somewhere else who has been adopted here. Mm-hmm. And that may be because, you know, of my brother and sisters. Don't tell Uncle Bill. That's okay. He doesn't <laughs> listen to the show. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, now that we've... Now that we've said his name, my mom will, of course, call him in and say, Hey, two films, two curious, alum, the other Bill. Listen, they're talking about you on here. Uh, Which apparently happens every time we say something disparaging about Jack, and she calls him in to hear how we've dunked on him on the podcast. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's that, at least. Oh, and of course, I guess Star Wars. It would have been really cool if I was Force-sensitive and... uh, I think that the number of times I would admit to having tried to use force powers as oh. a kid is an embarrassing amount, and that's only the amount that I would admit to because it's probably more than that. You don't still try? I do. I was going to say when you go to this, you know the sliding open doors. Don't you just push them oh. aside with your hands and yeah, they You'll open never know. as you approach. Was it the force? Yes. <laughs> The force is in all things, including the sensor that opens the door. <laughs> exactly. You step onto the escalator and kind of fold your arms and levitate up to the next level. Exactly. Oh, I'm going to start doing that now. <laughs> do, you have any, uh, do you have any questions for us, Chris? I have a question, and this is the old, if you could pair these movies with another movie question. Classic. The classic. Uh, which movie would you pair it with, and why? But the movies you pair it with can't be treasure related. Ooh. Well, at least for Kamiko, uh, spoiler alert. Although I already said it a little bit, I think it'd be neat to pair it with another movie that has that sort of like trucker gear shift change end, where you just get that whiplash of "Wow, this is not what I thought it was." happening at the end so either brazil where he breaks out of the town and he's doing great and he's living his life and then you find out that that's just his insane fever dream uh after they've tortured him to craziness or uh repo men repo men repo man repo men the jude law Forest whitaker one uh which has a similar ending uh but uh, maybe that's too samey I know that sometimes we have an issue where we'll pick things that are too samey and it doesn't generate enough conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think that it would be interesting to, to talk about movies that end like that, where are we happy for uh, What's-His-Name-In-Brazil or Jude Law in Repo Man or Kumiko because they are happy and perception is reality? Or are we sad because we know that this is not true? But it's true to them. Maybe pair it with a Matrix, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Oh, I like that idea. Anyways, that's what I've been thinking about all week. <laughs> <laughs> what about Treasure Planet? Black Cauldron. And discuss how both of these movies were animated movies that tanked. Mm-hmm. Uh and then discuss why they may have tanked because I think that for Treasure Planet it was not for the same reason as Black Cauldron I think people just don't like Black Cauldron I think that people are not as big a fan of that movie and I think that a lot of people after the fact have really enjoyed Treasure Planet Uh, at least I know that in in some of the circles that, that Tyler and I frequented in in college it was the underrated classic that people should all love uh, but I don't know. Maybe those two. I would agree with Black Cauldron for sure. That's one I don't think I saw until I was hanging out with you one day. I can't remember why we saw it. We had it on VHS when we were kids, and then like we watched it one day, and I mean, I I thought it was really cool. I thought the fantasy stuff was really cool. Nick really liked Gurgi. Like Gurgi was his favorite Disney character for a while. He had he we went to Disneyland and he finally found like the one Gurgi plush toy that they had there, uh, so that he could have his little Gurgi toy. Um, and then yeah, I got it on DVD a little bit uh, a little bit ago or a couple of years ago, 
it's on Blu-ray now if you have Disney Movie Club, but I think that that's maybe not, seeing as I've only watched it once since I bought it, maybe that's not one that I need to upgrade. I don't think I ever saw it. I read the books. I would need to I read the, the books. had the Sierra online click and point and click adventure. <laughs> but I don't think I saw the movie. It was, I liked it. Uh, I like. I mean, I, I, I liked the bad guy a lot in it. I thought that. I think that after watching it again, the bad guy has very obviously informed the way I run Undead and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but he's a really cool lich king, and he's got his skeleton army. The, the other parts of it are okay. Uh, and you can, if this was sort of like our last ditch effort to make Disney Animated Studios be good, you can see why they did some really huge shifting of the way that they did things after this movie because it did not yeah. it did not land i think the only emotional reaction you had to it tyler was that you were happy that the rats were saved at the end when the yep. castle blew up and you saw that they were still okay in fact that's most of the only thing i can remember from the movie <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the the pig that can scry in water or the fairies that they go to and the one fairy is like a gruff grandpa but small well, now that you told me I do, but oh, yeah. <laughs> when I thought of the movie, I thought it was good for rats. It was. <laughs> a positive rat movie. Which would What would you pair with these? We've t- I mean, we talked about how you were thinking about uh, National Treasure or Goonies with Kumiko. But... I would probably uh, pair something Spider-Man-y with Treasure Planet. Just oh. with that enthusiastic youth energy. Oh, yeah. Saves the day. Learning about um, responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the the kind of kite surfing that Jim Hawkins does and learning spider powers. Uh, I think that would be a good pair. And then for Kamiko, uh, I would probably do Jim Jarmusch's Mystery Train with uh, the young Japanese uh, mm-hmm. tourists seeking pop culture in America. Hmm. I don't think I've heard of that movie. I think I have, but I've only seen one Jim Jarmusch movie, and it's Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai with Forrest Whitaker. Cause Which is excellent. It's an amazing movie. <clears throat> I have it on Criterion. He's a, uh, he's collection. a it's so cool. A special feature on Criterion this month. Yes, it is. So you can watch uh, Mystery Train and only Lovers Left Alive, and all of the other good Jim Jarmusch movies. I want to watch, is it Cigarettes and Coffee? I think so. I don't, uh, I'm not sure if Patterson is on it. Let's take a look. And Only Lovers Left Alive is the vampire one, right? Yes. I've been told I need to watch that. It's very good. I think that he's featured in the show Fishing with John, which is probably the weirdest thing I've ever bought from the Criterion Collection. Uh, it's a it's a f- mockumentary fishing tourism show uh, that also has Willem Dafoe in an episode. I think they go ice fishing and uh, they have to eat each other. You've seen a clip of it, Tyler, because the um, what is it? It's the the hooks episode of SpongeBob. Yep. Where the it's the live action guys and they're trying to reel the hooks back mm-hmm. in. That's from Fishing with John. I had no idea. <laughs> what Patterson would you pair? Isn't Patterson isn't on the Criterion, but that's another good Jim Jarmusch movie. Good to know. What would you pair with either of these movies, Tyler? Um, well, I really like what you said about the Matrix. Okay. That, in fact, as I was trying to. Look at movies and and think of what my my movie encyclopedic knowledge is so so lacking compared to the other two people on the show right now <laughs> <laughs> of like thinking of I'm like all right well let me think of my five movies I watch all the time well we already did most of those on the podcast so listen if you want to do a duplicate we can do it if we can find a way to pair Kamiko the Treasure Hunter and uh, Lego Movie I'm here for. Actually that wouldn't be a bad one. That's actually that actually, that one yeah, might work. <laughs> that's not terrible. Be- <clears throat> Although I like it I would like if we did Lego Movie more with Treasure Planet because of the whole, you know, it's really the friends, it's really your family. It's Yeah. That's the treasure that we all need. That's the 
That's the planet we're visiting today. Kumiko is very much not about the treasure of family. No. (laughs) Certainly not. Well, do you guys have anything else to say to our fine listeners? I'd I. No. I think I I wish them all well. I do too. Now, next month is another two films, three curious. We've had a, a good number of them this year, and it's not even the last one for this season. Uh, but October uh, will feature uh, two films, three curious alum uh, Amanda as she returns to talk about the uh, Halloween episode that I've wanted her to do since we started, uh, where we will talk about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Silence of the Lambs and discuss how. The serial killer Ed Gein is so freaky that we've not made one movie about all of the things that he's done and instead have taken facets of him and broken them up into several movies because to do one would just be absurd. It would be Uh, unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. And we'll also talk about just serial killer interest in general. So that's what you can expect next month. And also, probably, Spider-Man on our special feature uh, because we were supposed to do it this month and I forgot. Until then, though, do what? Some home decorating tips from those movies, too. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, there's the it's it it's really ingenious. Some of the decorating tips in in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're going to talk about this when we get to the thing. You said recipes. I think it's fascinating how there's like a whole section on the Wikipedia page because it's so important about the number of people that have either become temporarily or permanently vegan or vegetarian after watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which goes hand in hand with the fact that the best horror movies are not about the monsters that are in them, but are instead about things like the meat industry. You're like, oh, that's so interesting. The delicious, delicious meat industry. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Anyways, until next time, uh, keep watching movies and uh, stay curious. And we love you. We love you.